0: Welcome back to The Dark Side. I'm your host, Brianna. Dyson's here. Hi. And this is Dark Adaptation. to episode 21 uh... <laughs> yeah baby hopefully everyone enjoyed Dyson's episode last week yes we did the big two zero yeah we loved
1: it stop guys we have a live audience today
2: Five stars.
1: oh i'm flattered
2: it was a penny star <laughs>
0: it did really well i really enjoyed the episode a lot i listened to it a few times Thank you. I thought it was very on brand for the type of person you are and your interests. And you have very good writing. Your writing is really lovely. Mm. And you did really well. It was was all around good. Five stars.
1: Thanks. Smooth like butter. I think so. Yeah.
0: And hopefully all of you thought the same thing. And even if you didn't, just say yes.
1: Yeah. I was just (laughs) trying to make sure that I did good by the show because you have great episodes every week. And I, I was like, I better not let her down. Yeah, have you better not one. let
0: me down or else you won't even be on the show anymore. Yeah. But clearly you didn't because you're here right now for episode 21. Yeah. Also, we have a schedule, so <laughs> you got to at least stick around <laughs> for that. <laughs> as for June, we'll talk.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so let's dive right into Crazy Joe Naso, who is also referred to. Uh, he's referred to by some as the double initial killer, but, you know. We'll get into that a little bit more later. Uh I got a lot to tell you this week, mm-hmm. so that's why we're just gonna dive right in. Okay. Now this dude is pretty horrible. Not um not the greatest guy, obviously. So we're talking about his crimes. Yeah. Uh, he. I was interested into why. I was interested in why people call him Crazy Joe, and basically the answer I found was that. Uh, He's just got this long history of petty crimes and just being kind of a dirtbag. So like his acquaintances just started to call him crazy Joe.
1: No qualms for his behavior. No scruples about being a little bit of a piece of shit.
0: They're Like this guy's crazy. I know. Crazy Joe is crazy. And they're like, yeah, man, it's original.
1: Nice. Doesn't it all sound like a restaurant (laughs) franchise? (laughs)
0: <laughs> crazy Joe. Oh, yeah. And, well, it was between that and Shoeless Joe, and they went, all right, mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy it is. Yep. Because he's crazy.
1: Isn't there a Krabby Joes, too?
0: Oh, there <laughs> is, yeah. He seems per- fucking crabby too, so he could be Krabby Joe. We can start calling him that instead. All right. Um. So just uh, an important warning before we get into this episode. Um. Throughout it, I will mention sexual assault and rape a lot, so... Just take care when listening, and if you know you're sensitive to that or it's not a topic for you, can't hold it against you. So, just mm-hmm. so you know, um, another little um, disclaimer warning, whatever, is that information about the victims is really limited. So this episode will mostly revolve around Naso's arrest and trial. But regardless, I will talk about the victims as much as I can, and I will still deliver some. Pretty good info. So even though it's about mostly the arrest and trial, stick around because it's still going to be wild up in here, all right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's just start.
1: Appreciate it.
0: We'll just start with a really brief background on Crazy Joe, Crabby Joe. Let's we'll do Crabby Joe because Crazy Joe is actually the nickname that he received from people that knew him. So we'll do Crabby Joe. Okay. So fucking Crabby Joe, just so we know who we're talking about here is the perpetrator, the fucking derp egg. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's a Capricorn. He's born on January 7th, Uh, 1934 in Rochester, New York. Mm. After serving in the U.S. Air Force in the 50s, he met his wife, Judith. They were married for 18 years. But even after they divorced, he kept visiting her. Um, She lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, which at one point he also lived in. And I think just based on the research that... He still like visited with her, went over to her place because they did have a son together. Um, Mm -hmm. Their son's name is Charles and he had um, some mental health issues. Uh, He had developed schizophrenia and they kind of took care of him. So I think they co-parented.
1: Because it's not a one person job. Yeah, I think they co-parented
0: even later into life. And also we'll just get to realize that Krabby Joe is just a fucking psycho freak. So he probably would just impede on her life to be honest yeah uh it appears that for most of naso's life he worked as a freelance photographer he is very adamant that he's a professional photographer he's a pro and with his professional photography skills is sort of intermingled with other part-time like retail-esque jobs so i know like he worked in like a camera place a camera shop and other like little businesses why did i buy you a
1: camera like a, like three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just telling me this now. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I, when I receive lovely birthday gifts, I don't equate it to Joe Naso. Oh,
1: just lined up.
0: It did line up, yeah. Oh,
1: are you a professional?
0: I'm a total pro. And I'm yeah. going to go freelance pretty soon. All right. And it, you could just call me Peter Parker.
1: I prefer that. You can yeah. call
0: me. A P- I'm. An, I'm about to go for Peter Parker pretty soon. Just,
1: just don't make me look ugly. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> don't make me
0: look ugly. Ah, no, that's impossible. <laughs> okay, and I can't. Don't. Every time we always get sidetracked with Tobey Maguire, and then I can't focus. Okay. In the 70s, Nasa lived in the Mission District of San Francisco, where he taught classes in various San Francisco colleges. Now I say taught because sometimes the information says that he took various classes. And sometimes it says that he taught various classes. So in the seventies, either way.
1: It was very distinctly different. Yeah. I know. And like yeah. what
0: kind of classes? For photography, I'm pretty sure.
1: Professional photography classes.
0: Pro, he was a freelance yeah. teacher. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So whatever, it doesn't really matter, because it's him.
1: Sleep in my van.
0: (laughs) Down by the river. In the 80s, he moved to Piedmont, California. Then he lived in Sacramento between 1999 and 2003, and finally settled in Reno, Nevada in 2004. So that's really all I'm going to say about him, and like, Mm background-wise. The gist of it is that he is a photographer you know that's what he loves and cares about yep. he was in the air force he is divorced he just moved around a fuck ton no matter no but the one important thing is that no matter where he lived every single neighbor he had person that ran into him on a regular basis they all said that he was weird and he was creepy and it like re- uh, interviewed individually for comment. Mm-hmm. Multiple women said the exact same thing, and like without prompting from other people or whatever, yeah. they all said he made their hair stand on end.
1: Oh no! So and this is like, pretty much just—it's crowdsourced. He's a creep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And like for everyone to be like, no, like he's so creepy. I had a, like a physical reaction to it, and all my hair stood on end.
1: Yeah. Like you're creepy. Then. That's extra creepy.
0: All right, so like I mentioned at the beginning, there isn't too much information available um, about the victims. One reason is because at the time of Naso's arrest and the like impending trial, investigators and police stated that they wouldn't be releasing any information about the women. And a big reason for this is, quote, To invite questions at this time would hamper the investigation.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So they were like, if we talk about these victims or disclose a bunch of information about them, it'll kind of fuck with what we're trying to achieve here. And then ultimately, if you're not giving information about the victims, then that affects the reporting. So there's just not that much information available. Plus, these women were um, murdered. Like decades and decades in some of their cases before nasa was even arrested so
2: right it's just this
0: gap but i will tell you everything i know at least so first we got roxine ragosh butchering names already (laughs) on january 10th 1977 police in fairfax california received an anonymous phone call Apparently, the caller's car had stalled on the side of Sir Francis Drake Boulevard near Whites Hill and they were inspecting their vehicle when they kind of just look over and they saw something suspicious in the in the brush on the side of the road. Oh no. So the police arrived and they're like, "All right, let's look for this suspicious thing." Oh my god, that is horrific. That is not suspicious. That's straight up horrific. What was it? They found a petite freckled redhead and she was laying face down and buried underneath some desert brush jesus and she was dead yeah so like the caller's like kind of saw something weird anyway come check it out okay bye uh-huh. i was like that's just awful yeah it's suspicious it is suspicious but god oh, fuck she's just such a weird way to put it she was soon identified as 18 year old roxine Ragash. Her feet were bound and she had been strangled to death with a pair of pantyhose. Ew. She had four pairs of pantyhose on her. One was wrapped tightly around her neck. The second was around her mouth. So I think it was like the lower part of her head, like Mm
1: -hmm. almost like a
0: gag type deal. Right. Then the third was stuffed inside of her mouth and she was wearing the fourth pair. She was just covered in pantyhose.
1: That's fucked. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fucked. Creepy. That's crazy. Police estimated she was killed less than a day before her body was found. They also suspected that Ragosh had worked as a sex worker. Now, when they were finally able to identify her and notified the family, her family was like, "No way, no, she's not a sex worker." But um, sometimes the families aren't don't know,
2: right? And
0: yeah. she could have been maybe picked up for her sex working. By the police at some point and have they had her in the system maybe yeah and they're they're like well we know that she is and the family is like maybe not totally mm-hmm. cool with it but yeah. her case went cold um they were initially trying to solve her murder under the guise that they thought the local pimp was responsible for it <laughs> And they couldn't pin it on the local pimp.
1: <laughs> it just sounds like they just went for like the easiest yeah. thing. And well, was she's like... a
0: sex worker and it must be the pimp. And it just didn't play out. So they essentially gave up and it just went. Is so one
1: guy in the precinct who always has that one comment? Just goes with the like, well, it's probably this. Put all our resources into that. Yeah. Pimp.
0: Then they can say they at least did something. <laughs> they're like, oh shit, we can't pin it on him. Well, I guess that's that. And it's like, wow. You know, that's not the only answer, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know who wouldn't put up with that kind of bullshit? Gil from CSI.
0: Gil Grissom?
1: Gil Grissom.
0: He would not. And Gil Grissom would also never judge somebody for being a sex worker.
1: Damn right. They don't even do it. Like, get over it.
0: I agree. Oldest profession. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Chill out.
0: I have zero problems with it. Bunch of N cells. The only problems I have with it are the people who have a problem with it or the men that treat them like they're less human.
1: Yeah, I want them to legislate, like, so that sex work is legal. And then I want them to, like, legislate a bunch of rules on how to protect them.
2: Yeah. Regulated. And then everyone
1: everyone has a good time. It's just, you know, chill the fuck out. <laughs>
0: Amen to that. Yeah. Okay. So that was Roxine. Mm-hmm. Now we've got Carmen Lorraine Cologne. On August 13th, 1978, motorists along Carquinez Scenic Highway... A road just outside Port Port Costa in Contra Costa County, California.
1: You're doing so well with the names right now.
0: (sighs) So, a motorist on all of that called police reporting what they believed was a cow that was shot on the side of the highway.
1: No, you can't. (laughs)
0: When When a highway patrol officer went to investigate, he found a decomposing nude body that had been dumped. The body was identified the same day, August 13th, through fingerprints. She was 22-year-old Carmen Lorraine Colon, a sex worker. Okay. Carmen had told her sister she was having her photos taken by a photographer. While investigating her murder, police collected her nail clippings. Her body was found 30 miles, or 48 kilometers, from where Roxine was found.
1: Okay. So
0: not insanely far.
1: No, what would you say that would be? like?
0: It would be like if we went from here, like my apartment, to the very like north of Cambridge pushing like Waterloo.
1: Yeah, Brantford to Cambridge. So like 30 minutes. Mm, Less.
0: If you're going all the way through Cambridge though to the very north, it'd be like 40 minutes.
1: 40 minutes, yeah. So
0: yeah. About 40 minutes. So totally not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Pamela Ruth Parsons. 38-year-old Pamela Ruth Parsons was a waitress and a sex worker who was found dead on Simpson-D'Antoni Road in Linda, which is in Yuba County, California, on September 19, 1993. She had a fractured hyoid, hyoid bone, indicating she had been strangled to death. And there was ligature marks on her wrists and her neck. Mm-hmm. A lot of similarities yeah. between these women.
1: Please don't tell me there's a similarity between the collars right now, though, because I am upset. <laughs> no (laughs) something strange going on in that bush over there and it's a dead woman something suspicious there's a rotting cow on the highway it's another dead woman what the fuck is wrong with you guy you blind
0: i think like like i don't know maybe in this area there was like a lot of like cattle or maybe that one caller had randomly actually seen a dead cow on the side of the road before but it is so weird like around here especially yeah if we're like okay something looks like it's fucking rotting on the side of the road you'd be like it's probably a deer you're gonna be like it's a cow
1: i don't know i've I've listened to you enough that I would not assume.
0: If you're assuming it was an animal,
1: though. Yeah, yeah. You'd yeah. be like, it's
0: a deer, not a cow. Uh,
1: for since I met you, if I drive by trash bags, I'm like, hmm. You remembering that one.
0: There's so many torsos in there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Tracy Lynn McKinney Tafoya. 31-year-old Tracy Lynn McKinney Tafoya had also been working as a sex worker. On august sixth, nineteen ninety four, she went missing from Yuba County in California. She was later found dead in Yuba County next to Marysville Cemetery. She'd been strangled to death. She was just left next to a cemetery, which is so creepy.
1: What was she strangled with?
0: Um there it was nothing was left behind. So Okay. It's you can't really tell. Um most likely some sort of ligature and could have been like pantyhose or a necktie or like something like that. Yeah. But it seems to be common thread that it's a ligature of some sort. Yeah. Investigators estimate that a week passed before her body was found. Oh, An autopsy sucks. later determined that she had been drugged and raped before being murdered.
2: Oh. Horrific. Oh.
0: So, like I had said, when you hear these about these victims, a lot of similarities. We've got all four of these women having been sexually assaulted uh they were all strangled Mm -hmm. they were bound in some way because Mm -hmm. there was like either ligature marks present on their neck or on their wrists their ankles there was some sort of like bondage Mm
2: -hmm.
0: uh they were all dumped in like rural areas in especially like the county of whatever city or town they're from Mm -hmm. and the police had them all listed as sex workers yeah all of the women shared another seemingly sinister similarity, but we'll get into that at the end.
1: Okay. Footnote on that one. In April,
0: 2010, Naysa was living alone in Reno, Nevada, because remember I told you he moved around a fuck ton, but he had eventually settled in Reno, Nevada.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He uh, he was here, living here, and he was on a felony probation for theft in El Dorado County in California. All right. Now, I found this interesting because I was like, he's on felony probation for theft in California. Mm-hmm. So you'd think based on like probation, um... Requirements and whatever that he would have to stay in California.
1: That would make sense, yeah.
0: But there is this thing called the California Nevada Interstate Compact Agreement. Oh. So that allows <laughs> the two states to sort of share jurisdiction, and it allows officers to conduct spontaneous searches in both states.
1: Okay. Well, that sounds actually really in- yeah, innovative.
0: Yeah. It's cool. I was yeah, like, that shit. Really that's cool. really neat. I never heard of this before. So because of that agreement that allows you to just spontaneously search for people uh, if they're on a felony probation like you can't just be like hello (laughs) (laughs) i don't think you've done anything wrong here and i have no idea who you are may i search the premises actually i don't have to ask here i am (laughs) hello (laughs) (laughs) hi it's not like
1: (laughs) hi hi
0: so Officer Wesley Jackson, he showed up to Naso's house and he conducted one of these random searches because he was like, this guy seems alone and isolated and really creepy and everyone says their hair stands on end. Yeah. I'm going to search this house. All right. <laughs> well, during the search, he found a plastic container of ammunition. He found a bunch of knives. And in Naso's pocket, there was a bullet and a small advertisement for the sale of a gun. Obviously, all of this is major parole violations. Yeah. And that officer was like, Good on you, Wesley Jackson. I'm arresting Naso now.
2: Yeah. Okay, good. Mm -hmm.
0: So, Wesley Jackson called another officer, Officer Robert Jacobs, to the scene for backup, and they continued to search the home. Mm -hmm. Because they were like, This guy's fucked.
1: Yeah, what else is he fucking hiding?
0: So, in total, there was two searches done. There was a search done in April 2010, which is when Wesley, Officer Wesley Jackson just spontaneously did one. And that's when he was first arrested. And then the other happened after his arrest a month later. So in May 2010, they went back just to keep searching. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to tell you stuff they found. And it's a combination of both of the searches.
1: Okay. but I'm just going to buckle up. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's some weird shit.
1: Item one. Used Victorian dolls. Item two. Stop. One human effigy. No! Okay.
0: Okay. You're not off that far off, which is oh, really no. annoying. <laughs> it's like, that's how predictable this freak is. So, like, what kind of what plethora of fuckery are we going to find in yeah, here? Yeah, I just went to
1: default gross and freaky.
0: So, remember that I already found... Ammunition and knives, when they initially just decided to search his home for the fuck of it. Yeah. So they found more than $152,000 in cash. They found a $30,000 coin collection. They found dolls.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> God damn it. Yep.
0: <laughs> Mannequin legs.
1: Ew. Uh, oh, with the pantyhose.
2: Ew.
1: No, that's what I'm putting together.
0: Ew you're probably so right yeah i always wondered. like everything was like specifically saying mannequin legs and i was like that's so weird but ew, you're probably right he obviously yeah. likes pantyhose a lot and he was probably ew yeah <laughs>
1: yeah
0: <laughs> they found a fuck ton of sadistic magazines like rape fantasy shit and stuff like that
1: they made magazines for that
0: of course there's a magazine for everything and god knows how old some of this collection is because i don't 30s. ever want to
1: see the quote-unquote retro Whatever the fuck kind of magazines those are. I'm
0: sure we talk about it again later. Gross. Examples. Where?
1: Where? Can... <laughs> <laughs> G-
2: gross. You'd been... Why? <laughs>
0: Okay, anyway. Hey, they found legs. a bunch of women's clothing, including a small black purse. They found newspaper clippings and personal documentation of women including passports and driver's licenses that matches said women in the clippings
1: was this guy like based who's buffalo bill based off of because <laughs> this is just this guy
0: buffalo bill is based off of ed gein who was from like wisconsin so it's not this guy
1: no he's and just got the same aesthetic
0: he's based off a bunch of people
1: uh, yeah it's upsetting The mannequins and dolls, I really didn't like that I was right about the dolls.
0: (sighs) Are you surprised, though? No. Okay, he had a giant collection of photographs of dead and incapacitated women in varying states of undress. The really gnarly photos were kept hidden in a safe deposit box. They, the police that were searching the home, the investigators, they were able to get into the box because they had located the keys in his upper dresser drawer. And something interesting about this is that Neso was recorded after his arrest in April, asking his ex-wife to tell their son to break into his home and remove the keys before the police found them. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't because the cops were like, hey, they check out these keys. I wonder what they'll be for. And then they yep. figured it out. Mm hmm. And that's fucked. Dead and incapacitated women in varying states of undress. Some were totally nude.
1: What I can't believe is that he had two tears. Yes. He had those, which are already, like, incriminating. It's dead women. And that's out in the open. But the real stuff's in the lockbox. Mm-hmm. That's fucked. Yep. It's absolutely fucked. Exactly.
0: He's like, all of these are upsetting. But to me, who is mentally deformed, I think these ones maybe shouldn't be right out in plain view and you're like yeah versus the other ones
1: yeah it really just goes to show just the level of depravity yeah yeah
0: yeah and just just demented and all that's fucked right but that's not even the most incriminating Mm -hmm. the most incriminating of all that was found in his home were writings specifically diaries describing sex crimes and a mysterious list of 10 women and they were not identified by name, but they were identified by geographical locations and information about where these women would have been.
1: That's so weird.
0: Here's the list. Okay. One girl from Heldsburg, Mendocino County. Two girl near Port Costa. Carmen Colon's body was found near Port Costa.
2: Mm hmm. Yep.
0: Girl near Loganitas. Now, investigators later. Believed that this is Roxine Ragosh because Fairfax County, which is where that motorist had called saying there's something suspicious on the side of the road, mm-hmm. that's where her body was found and it's only 13 minutes away.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, or like she, he probably picked her up from around there. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, Number four is Girl on Mount Tam. Five is Girl from Miami near Down Peninsula. Six is. Girl from Berkeley. Seven, lady from 839 Leavenworth. Lady. Eight, girl in Woodland near Nevada County. Nine, girl from Linda Yuba County. Pamela Parsons' body was found in Linda Yuba County. Mm-hmm. And she she actually waitressed, because she was a part-time waitress, part-time sex worker. And she waitressed near Cooper Avenue in Yuba City. Yeah. And Neso lived on Cooper Avenue at this time. Okay. And ten. Girl from MRSV brackets cemetery. Tracy Tafoya was found in Marysville Cemetery. So MRSV might be Marysville.
1: Oh, okay, yep.
0: So that's the list of these ten mystery women. Mm-hmm. So he had kept this list of ten women in a diary that investigator Richard Brown called a... Rape journal. Jesus Christ. But Nasaw didn't like that. He didn't want you to call it a rape journal because he had a different name for it.
1: Professional rape journal.
0: He called it his dream journal.
1: This guy fucking sucks.
0: It's so gross. (laughs) And police said that there was multiple diaries, not just one. They just used the term rape journal because he had... So many weird little diaries. And they had documented years of sex crimes against women and girls. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now, this is 2010 when they had found this stuff. These diaries go all the way back to the 1950s.
1: Oh, my God. Decades. Yeah, so he's doing this for a very long time.
0: Yes. And Mm -hmm. investigators tasked with reviewing these journals... They had later determined that there was well over 100 women that he had assaulted. And that's only by going through these journals, these diaries. Who knows if you have located all of them? Who knows if he documented every single one? Yeah. But to be able, and he writes in like weird shorthand and code just for him and stuff. So it's like, that was what they were able to solidly identify. Well over a hundred victims. Yeah. He writes about attacking multiple girls when he was only sixteen. So he came out the womb a kicking little freak.
1: He got a kicking little freak. Just, yeah.
0: Here we go. <laughs> he ta- here we go. Here we go.
1: Jesus.
0: <laughs> it's gross. Sixteen. That's when he started to attack women. Like who knows when his thoughts started.
1: Yeah, it sounds like his mom needed a heavier purse to swing at him.
0: He doesn't really, like, talk about um, like, documenting when he first started to attack these girls as young as 16. He loves to write about how scared they were, how amazing their sex was, how he loved them so much, and how he wanted to marry them.
1: Hmm. He is out. It's weird irony in that.
0: He's out of his mind. He thinks that he's, like, taking them on dates. Like I'm going to marry fucked. this girl
1: right after I murder her. Like, what the fuck goes in your head?
0: Not murdering them, yeah. He's just rape, right, Not oh, just. just. Oh,
1: this is just his earlier. But he's years, attacking yeah, yeah. and raping them. Yeah, yeah. Like. Well, violence is love. If you're <sighs> Crabby you're, Joe. If you're Crabby fucking Joe.
0: So most, like I said, most of the entries. Scabby
1: fucking Joe. Scabby
0: Joe's right. Most of the entries were brief or written short of his sort of his own little like messages or shorthand for himself Mm -hmm. so an example of what they were like written as is quote girl in north buffalo woods she was real pretty front seat of my car had to knock her out first end
1: quote whoa yep just just that just matter of fact
0: that's his notes
1: that's fucking ridiculous
0: in a 1958 entry listed as entry number 40, mm. Neso describes offering a ride to a quote-unquote gorgeous chick after he had stalked her to the point of knowing her work schedule. Then he describes how he, quote, headed for the cemetery and started to kiss and molest her. I had to force her down and hold her skirt up, her girdle down. It was hard work. It was hard work trying to hold her down and pull off her underwear at the same time.
1: End quote. Oh, my God.
0: This is what investigators... Don't, don't get in
1: anyone's car, people. No, never Just don't. Never. Just don't do it. This no. is why. These guys love that.
0: And this is, like, entry number 40.
1: Yeah, and Investigators that's super are having to
0: go through these journals and read entry after entry just like this.
1: That was one of my questions was the one where it was listed as uh, the uh, cemetery. I was like, did you pick her up at the cemetery?
0: I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to... See. It seems to me like he's... Um, He always, he has like this safe safety with his car. He'll pick them up in his car and bring them somewhere where he feels comfortable enough to attack them. So he probably brought her to the cemetery Mm -hmm. or dumped her there. I don't think it would have all went down there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So he wrote wrote that horrible quote and then he drove the woman who he had just attacked
2: Mm -hmm.
0: home And waited while she, like, fucking rushed out of the car and ran inside her house, terrified. Mm -hmm. And he waited there because in his diary he was writing about how he was really upset because he thought she was going inside to get her parents so that he could be introduced to them.
1: This guy's insane. Yes. He was like,
0: well, we had just had a nice date. Like, she she didn't even go in there and get them to come and meet me. And instead, the mother, she came out. But yeah. it was because her kid just ran inside, terrified for her life, yeah. and she wrote down Naso's license plate. Because he's a fucking dumbass idling out front.
1: Yeah, well, most people would be blinded by rage, mm-hmm. but she was at least had the presence of mind to also write the license plate down.
0: Yeah, and thank God, God she break did. His
1: fucking windshield.
0: Yeah, I know, right? You'd be like, okay, I'm writing this down. Also, I'm following you. <laughs> yeah. And it's good that she did, because he was eventually convicted of this crime, He got um, charged with assault to commit rape. Uh, So guess what? He uh,
1: was rape, pretty much.
0: Yeah, assault to commit rape. He attacked her and then raped her.
1: (laughs) Yeah, not just... Yeah, okay, yeah.
0: And so guess what else he wrote about in reference to this crime that he was fucking arrested for? What? Quote, To this day, I love her. I wish I could have married her. (laughs) He's
1: terrifying. He's a bleeding heart romantic. Uh, professional photographer. Bleeding heart romantic.
0: So this is this freak. is an example of of one entry. And then just imagine diaries and diaries and diaries of this going back at this point, because he was arrested in 2010. Six uh what is that, sixty years? Mm-hmm. 60 years of this, of diaries. yeah, Fucking horrifying. And he, how delusional he is. Like, this is like one of, reading that, it's like this is one of the most delusional people I've ever read about. Yeah. Okay, so back to 2010 when he got arrested. hmm He was read as Miranda rights, which include the right to remain silent. It's like one of the big ones. But he waived these rights... <sighs> He was like, no, 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 I don't need that. Silly. So on the drive back to El Dorado County in California, because remember, that's where his charge was from and he was living in Nevada. Mm
2: -hmm. So on the
0: ride back to that jail, he just talked on and on and he was making excuses for his collections and he was repeatedly making conflicting statements about his diaries and just for the sake of talking about them. So then when the officers in the car with him would be like, what that doesn't make sense because we also saw this or that he's like "Mm, no anyway i'm just gonna keep talking and fit my narrative around this new thing that comes up (laughs) so it was just like a disaster yeah um also upon his arrest they collected dna samples from him and his ex-wife judith obviously for use in this investigation Mm -hmm. um judith she provided her sample voluntarily to an fbi agent So now they were able to work on linking him to the women from his list. From that list they had, they were like, this is obviously something based on all these fucking horrifying photos we have. Mm -hmm. We are going to have to sift through that, the journals, everything. But with the DNA, hopefully we can start kind of linking these women together. Right. So I had mentioned those four women, the victims at the start at the time of the murders, Neso lived in close proximity to all of them. Mm-hmm. The pantyhose around Roxine Ragosh's mouth contained Judith's DNA, his mm-hmm. wife. And the pantyhose she was wearing had Neso's DNA in them.
1: Ew. Mm-hmm. Ew.
0: Mm-hmm. <sighs> Remember I said that Carmen Colon's Body, uh, when investigators were um, examining it, they took her nail clippings Mm -hmm. while they had Joseph Naso's DNA under her nails. Mm. So they were able to link him to her. Okay. And then when they were searching his home, they found photos Naso had taken of Pamela Parsons. One of these photos was taped to the top of a news article about her death.
1: Oh my God.
0: He also had newspaper clippings about Tracy Tafoya's death and photos of her, too.
1: So he was getting off on this.
0: Of course. Yeah. A year after his arrest on April 11th, 2011. 2011.
1: Yeah, I'm processing that still.
0: It just
1: says. I was wholly ready for this to be an 80s or 90s case.
0: 2011. Yep also has a mouthful april eleventh, 2011.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: so based on this dna um evidence his disgusting journals everything from his fucking gross house the nevada department of public safety charged crabby joe with four counts of murder for roxine ragosh carmen cologne pamela parsons and tracy Tafoya
2: mm-hmm.
0: he along with four counts of murder was charged uh with sexual assault rape violation of parole possession of firearms and identification theft yeah the other six women mentioned in his in his diary on that list remained unidentified at the time of his charges but they at least knew who four of these women were and could distinct like for sure affirmatively link him to them
1: okay yeah
0: Here's probably something least shocking of all. Yeah? Of course, he pled, pleaded not guilty to all of these charges. I
1: don't think he did it.
0: And, (laughs) even further, Yeah? he announced he'd be representing himself. Oh! Krabby Joe, you've done it again. Also not fucking surprising though. I
1: fucking love to hear that they're doing that though because always the
0: fucking crazy people the the insane delusional sick people who are like I'm representing myself
1: beauty of it though is like immediately the default position of the judge at that at that moment is you're here making a mockery of my courtroom you're getting the maximum sentence
0: yeah there's actually um, a bunch of articles i read talk about how um, The presiding judge in this case, his name is Andrew Sweet. He would well, say, an adorable like, "Adorable name." I know. <laughs> he would say, like, "I'm, I'm don't want you to be making a mockery of my, of my court. You are making this trial look like a circus, like stuff like that." Because, mm-hmm. well, well, I mean, that's what we're gonna talk about. Calling him so.
1: out for it because he thinks he's being slayed. And he
0: was get, trying to give him warnings, like, "Sir, you are not." being appropriate right now yeah so he did have limited um assistance from an advisory council like the deputy public defender yeah um that was sort of assigned with him his name's pedro oliveros uh but he really did not (laughs) use this as a
1: resource no i'm defending
0: myself
1: (laughs) i'd imagine he's just the guy in the back room going shouldn't do that no stop
0: no stop (laughs) you look guilty
1: you're making this a circus you're gonna get maximum sentence (laughs) Yep.
0: so the any the beginning of any sort of once you're charged with something and Mm -hmm. you have the potential to go to trial for it the beginning is always a preliminary hearing so they had witnesses and there was a bunch of witnesses but i'll only mention a few um so because of the rape journal, investigators were able to locate a few women that Neso had mentioned by name. Since he had, he had wrote oh, he about did, them. he did
1: mention them by name. He had wrote them.
0: some of them, yeah. He had wrote about them. He wrote about f- photographing them. And a few of them actually oh, testified.
1: These poor women. Yeah. Because he fucking took pictures?
0: Yeah. you. Ew. What,
2: uh,
0: that's how he would get them like vulnerable essentially.
2: Yeah, he would get them to, to like
0: though. let go. Oh, you can't have a photo if you look up tight. Come on, let loose, let loose. And then he'd take advantage of them. Yeah. So he, the investigators did locate some of these women and they came to testify about how disgusting he was, how he just, his character was just repulsive and their experiences, like at this point, quote unquote, working with him. Uh, one of these women was a lady named Helen French. She said Naso attempted to rape her during a photo session in the 80s. hmm So, it was just countless women like this who testified to his character. Yeah. Uh, another witness during the preliminary hearing was Richard Brown, who was that investigator that called it a rape journal. Mm-hmm. So, at the preliminary hearing, the prosecution had him take the stand and testify to all of that fuckery that they found in Naso's house. hmm he, Neso, since he's defending himself, so he's acting as the defense lawyer, mm-hmm. he cross-examined Richard Brown, asking him why he called his dream diary a rape journal. And Richard Brown was like, um, because you literally documented and repeatedly wrote about how you raped a bunch of women?
1: Yeah. And, uh, for the content of it.
0: <laughs> and he described passages to, like to naso himself being like yeah quote i had to rape her i had her in an alley i raped her in the alley i raped her in the front seat of my car
1: i like that because
0: this is why it's called a rape journal sir
1: i love that he's supposed to be questioning his witness and his witness is questioning him like with like prepared notes it's not
0: his witness it was a prosecutor's witness but he's allowed to cross examine him
2: yeah yeah and he's
0: like why are you calling it that and he's like okay want me to quote something you wrote okay
2: yeah and then he goes (laughs) no he does not (laughs) yeah oh he
1: doesn't lick his finger and start going through the paper huge pet peeve
0: (laughs) if people lick their finger and then thumb the page like why the fuck Ew.
2: Yeah. Okay. Anyway.
0: So yeah, he had, he's describing like, oh sure, I'll tell you why I called it a rape journal. All of these reasons why it's called that. Mm-hmm. Naysa's like, oh, no no. See, in my culture, the phrase rape refers to making out, scoring, getting from first base to second base.
1: I hesitate to ask this. What culture is that?
0: Like, what culture is that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, rapist. Yeah. You're a rapist. There's uh, no sex culture offender, about Your it. Honor. You're a predator. You're disgusting. In my culture,
1: so my culture, they're like, what culture? And he's like, British, <laughs> like,
2: fucking, like, freelance, <laughs> freelance, <laughs>
1: <laughs> photographer,
2: <laughs>
1: that's, that's funnier than it should
2: be. Okay.
0: You have to make light of it because it's absurd. It, but at the same freak. time, it's terrifying because he—he's—he is thinking this way. This is actually how he thinks. I yeah. Think about all of the journal entries he had. He talks about like, "Well, I loved them so much. We had a great time. We made love." I- the
1: meet the parents thing. Yeah. was What really got under my skin. Yeah. So
0: like he—he, he, it's terrifying because he really is thinking this way. Like, no, in this culture, I've decided that's what you call it as a culture. Like that's to me making up. Oh God! Outscoring. You know what?
1: Strong parallels with incels right now, isn't there?
0: He started when he was 16. He was totally an incel. Yeah. So you had to take it. Oh. Disgusting. Oh. So, so um, yeah, his culture is rapist, clearly. Then he went yeah. on to accuse Richard Brown of being the one who was actually obsessed with rape. He was like, no <laughs> one said rape but you, and you keep mentioning it, so I think you're the real rapist here.
1: I'm sure that went really well for him.
0: I think that Richard Brown just didn't even comment. I think he just stared at him like...
1: No, this this guy's probably way too smart for that. He's just like, I'm not here to argue with you. I'm here to present this to the people standing in that jury right there.
0: Yeah. and he just probably
1: probably gave the jury the gym look.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just stares into the camera like... Michael Scott's at it again. Yep. And so he probably exactly what he did because nasa was not getting anywhere with trying to call him a rapist instead plus it's not about him being a rapist he's not the one on trial here yep you are for
1: for rape and murder
0: (laughs) (laughs) for a lot of things he had like a bunch of other charges so he'd moved on he decided to cross-examine richard brown about his nasos quote-unquote private artwork instead So, the quote unquote alleged, I'm going to say quote unquote so much because I will not have anyone think Naso's words are mine ever.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good idea.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, the quote unquote allegedly dead or incapacitated women in the photographs that Naso took, and Richard Brown was like, Yeah, I know those photos, and you're going to call them a private artwork collection? That's disgusting. Uh,
1: That is so sickening. Naso
0: was like, Well, yeah, I would need to tell you that you're a liar. Because these women weren't were not dead; they were just posing and they were pretending to be dead. And you are lying and and just attacking my character. And Richard Brown just stared at him and was like, "I know the difference between alive and a dead body." He's an yeah. investigator; he's seen some shit. Yeah, and you can tell if someone's fucking dead. Yeah, and he saw. F- f- it was like, over five thousand photos that he had in his collection. He's like, I can tell when someone's dead or not. Yeah. So, that was the gist of how the that went down for Richard Brown with Naso.
1: I'm so glad that he just made a fucking complete ass of himself. That's though. all he does. Yeah. All he does this as, whole
0: time is just look like a
1: total tool. As disgusting as it was, though, like, I'm sure that none of that could have been fun for the family. But, like, Jesus Christ, he just fucked himself.
0: Yeah, he did.
1: Yeah.
0: So, um, another witness in the preliminary hearing uh, was from the prosecution that called Richard Tafoya to take the stand and that's Richard Tafoya was married to the victim Tracy Tafoya right so he's on the stand and he he occasionally was like breaking down in tears and he was describing how his wife struggled with drug addiction and earned money through sex work and how he hadn't heard from her for a week or two before learning that she was murdered this is this
1: guy's fucking nightmare
0: yeah And he said, quote, she called me every night whether she was mad at me or not, end quote. He testified that his wife told him about a client who liked to take photographs of her. On cross-examination, Neso asked him, like, oh, yeah, well, do you know this guy's name? And uh, Richard Tafoya was like, no, I don't remember what his name was. Mm -hmm. And Neso was like, okay, well, did Tracy ever describe this man to you? He's like... Maybe, but I don't remember like what he said.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then Neso like rests his case. Like, see, he doesn't even know. But it's like, well, you have photos of Tracy. We found them in your house. You're a photographer. You really, you literally don't let people forget. And I forget when it was, <laughs> but reading through the, um, yeah. the articles and stuff, yeah, he, had, he Naysa admitted to dating Tracy at some point. Yeah. He wouldn't pinpoint when.
1: So he just was like, he finished with the line of questioning and he just went, king me, your honor.
0: <laughs> he would. He would. So yeah, the like Tracy Tafoya was found dead in 1994. Mm-hmm. And her husband is taking the stand and it's like 2011, 12? Ugh. Like he, how the hell is he gonna remember? Yeah, he's that? Not gonna remember that. I think it was 2012 by this point, or maybe early 2013. I, I, sorry, I don't have that. I can date.
1: hardly remember what I ate for dinner last yeah, time. Yeah, let alone like, something. Well, what over did a he look like? Ago? What it
0: was his name? And he's like, dude, I don't know. Also, they obviously had a pretty difficult life. I mean, his, he's, um, still with. Uh, she's unfortunately dead now, but he was still with Tracy. Yeah, They were still, even though she would go out and do what she had to do, sex work, and probably to sustain, to sustain her t- addiction, which just makes it all the more sad, this cycle that people get into. Mm-hmm. But he, was, he still loved her, and he was like, she did what she had to do. It was a hard life we lived, and he's like, fuck, God knows what their position was in 94. He's not going to remember what some scumbag photographer looked like, according yeah. to his wife. If anything,
1: he didn't want to hear it.
0: Probably was yeah. like, listen, I know. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. I know, I know what, what you're doing out there, and you call me so I know you're safe, but I don't want to know anything else.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, the last part of this preliminary hearing is I'll talk about Detective Ryan Peterson, who was another witness called by the prosecution.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He was one of NASA's arresting officers. So, he takes the stand, and he testifies about how NASA waived his rights to remain silent. And how he sat in the back of the cruiser with Neso after his arrest on their trip back to El Dorado in California, mm-hmm. where he uh, was being taken for an interview. So on the cruiser, he asked Neso about his the that list of 10 women. Mm-hmm. And at first, Neso denied knowing about a list. He's like, no idea what you're talking about, man. Sorry. And then he can't stop talking, though. So then he acknowledges having taken photos of one of the women on the list. Yep. Even though he doesn't know about the list, he totally took a photo of her, though. Yeah. And then he keeps talking, talking, talking. Mm-hmm. Then he admits to, taking, a, to f- taking photos of a few of the women on the list. So Detective Peterson had asked about the photos and why he had kept some hidden in a safe deposit box and others were just kind of out in the open.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Neso had said he has a, quote unquote, dark side. And the photography was his, quote unquote, secret hobby. Ew. Yeah. Peterson said, quote, he told me as a man, there are certain things you <laughs> didn't want people to know about. He he likened it to a boss cheating on his wife with a secretary.
1: As a man. <laughs> yeah.
0: As a man. <laughs> as a man. <laughs> as a man, I got a dark Jeez. side and a secret hobby, you know, like. Cheating on your wife with the secretary and Peterson's sitting in the back of also looking into the camera like Jim. <laughs> like, no, nah, man, I don't, I can't relate. Can't relate.
1: No, no, no one in that room could.
0: So, the, like, really all of this is just to paint. The, is to help paint the picture of this fucking delusional freak. Mm-hmm. So that's the preliminary hearing. Obviously, the next part is the trial. Yep. And what happens first with the trial is you have jury selection. Because mm-hmm. the preliminary preliminary hearing is to the judge to see what he's working with and if they would go to trial. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, okay. So uh, it's after the preliminary hearing now. So um, me, the judge, Andrew Sweet, I deem there is sufficient evidence to go to trial. Mm. And that took place in Marin Superior Court. And uh, guess how many jur- jury summons were sent out?
1: Oh, God, this is a big case. Uh, Oh, I'm going to be completely wrong. It's going to be the opposite of what I think. Is it
0: 500? 15,000. Ooh. 15. Nearly 15,000 jury summons were sent. So jury selection began on April 29th, 2013. And after a seven-week screening process, the 12 jurors were selected the jury consisted 12. of 12 jurors.
1: God, what a fucking process that must have been.
0: There's always 12 jurors.
1: No, I just I just mean like to go from like 15,000 oh, okay. just to be like, we need 12 people. It's fucking absurd.
0: The jury consisted of six men and six women, mm-hmm. ranging from 19 years old to 79 years old. Mm-hmm. There was also nine alternate jurors, which is a very high number like to have as alternate jurors, there's usually like one or two, Yeah. but they had nine and they listened in to the evidence in the case, just like all of the other jurors who were chosen mm-hmm. just in case one of those 12 was like unable to complete the trial. Suddenly got something.
1: sick hit by a bus. That, but that nine. really goes to show how like, yeah. Cause I remember, remember I was potentially going to be on jury duty mm-hmm. and I went through the process and I thought that was a big deal. They got a whole convention center. Yeah. That was during COVID too, so it was extra weird, but like they had every room in that convention center was filled, but like they they made it quick. Like it was like, well, half your day sucked, but, you know, mm. go home. 15,000 15, people. 15,000
0: jury summons. Is a
1: fuck ton, and it sounds like they went from like the whole gambit they possibly could for age. They split it perfectly for down gender, which yeah. I think not the, six
0: men, six women, ranging from nineteen years old to seventy-nine years old. Mm-hmm. I don't know about um, race, ethnicity, or whatever, but yeah, probably like probably really had diverse. Then to have nine alternates as well, it's just wild.
1: Yeah, they were not fucking around. There, ah. this was obviously, this was obvious to everyone. This it, was a high profile. Don't fuck it up.
0: Yeah, don't case. fuck it up. Which will come up again later with with something I'll talk about. Uh, but yeah, for sure, it was let's not risk anything. We want mm-hmm. this guy to go to trial. Let's make sure it happens. Yep. So the trial began on june seventeenth, twenty thirteen. Again, Naso's representing himself.
2: Mm-hmm. He
0: comes out real confident. He's Real cocky. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. He says that the prosecution's evidence was weak, (laughs) his writings about having sex with quote-unquote broads is being misconstrued, and ultimately it's all just character assassination. Yeah, he comes out and says that. The, if I'm naso. me a
1: second to process that. If
0: if I'm naso, on opening day of the trial, with your opening remarks, he goes... Uh, all of this evidence is weak and who cares if I'm writing about having sex with broads it's being misconstrued and that's uh, just, just character assassination
1: what are you just trying to channel Danny DeVito from fucking Always Sunny like what the
0: fuck yeah like you're not making yourself look very good here no broads
1: you think I look suspicious
0: <laughs> yeah and you do you're like yeah you look a little bit weird right now and he, uh, he also says in his opening statements quote I'm not the monster that killed these women I didn't do that. If I thought I was guilty of these crimes, I would not have had I would have had to hire two or three of the best attorneys in the Bay Area. But I'm very comfortable representing myself.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Jesus sir. Christ.
1: Anyone got a lawyer? Sounds like they're guilty to me, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: how he feels about it.
1: Strong legal argument right there.
0: It was reported throughout the entirety of the trial. In multiple outlets, according to multiple people that had to deal with him, it was reported that he was testy, combative, dismissive, snippy, uh, just straight up unpleasant, and he was so unprofessional during the trial. Just
1: seemed like a guilty he's murder rapist. Yeah, he's so. he,
0: exactly. He's a guilty murdering rapist who's acting like a fucking tool. Yeah. Now, during the trial, prosecutors Dori Ahana and Rosemary Sloat introduced a surprising witness
1: it was both the prosecutors were women too eh
0: yeah 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 oh and they fucking killed it they're wicked
1: it's probably the moment they dreamed of they're like i can't wait to just throw take this down
0: guy's. this fucking freak yeah yeah
1: it's just like they gave them they they were essentially like i'm giving them the people's elbow right now mm-hmm. yeah
0: so they bring a surprising witness who's also a woman a, a woman
1: <laughs> we have another woman on the scene
0: it is another woman yeah. and it's Naso's ex-wife judith <laughs> yep she's going for the prosecution here she's like i will testify because he's a fucking freak
1: oh they really were going for the jugular right yeah. off the bat yeah. i love it
0: so judith testified this is also just horrible for judith so
1: yeah it's get ready for it's this it's rough for her but you know good for her doing this
0: she testified she believes she was sexually assaulted by two men in a hotel room after naso put a quote-unquote knockout drug in in her drink at a San Francisco nightclub in the summer of 76. She said, quote, I totally blacked out and found myself in a different place. I believed I—I I believe I was drugged, end quote.
1: Probably was. Yeah, she said she yeah. was,
0: at this time, she was really depressed, she was having a rough go of things. Um, so she had just gone to the nightclub and had two drinks.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the next thing she knew, two men were lying on top of her in a bed in a hotel. She said that she saw Joseph Neso, watching very intensely on the side. The two men fled when they realized that she was coming to. And she said that she felt totally fuzzy. She felt confused. And she was certain that they were having sex with her or at least molesting her. Right. She confronted Neso about it when they got home. And she said, quote, he said he thought it would cheer me up but it didn't. I felt terrible. She won- what the fuck? Yeah, she went on to say that Neso told her he thought that having sex with two men would make her feel more attractive. And obviously I, it
1: didn't. I hate this guy.
0: Yeah. She was like... Yo, it did not make me feel more attractive. It made me feel violated. And I don't think that was the reason at all. He can say he thought having sex with other men would make me feel attractive. But I know that isn't where his mind, where his mind really was at. That's really what he
1: thought he wouldn't have drugged you.
0: Yeah. She's like, I know his mind was just on the fact that he enjoyed it. He liked watching that happen.
1: Yeah. hundred percent.
0: So, like, I can't imagine having to talk about that in front of a bunch of people. When, at the time, the person you're talking about was your husband, It's your own husband who did that to you. Mm-hmm. So for her to get up there and take the stand must have been rough. And to have your fucking disgusting, abusive ex-husband just staring at you and have the potential to cross examine you mm-hmm. must have been just so overwhelming.
1: Yeah. That's why it's just so sick. That's why judges get so absolutely pissed when they're like, I'm going to defend myself. And they're like, you, you know, the consequences of that, you know what that you're essentially asking to let happen. And they're like, all right, fine, but I'm going to be a completely, like, I'm going to basically just fucking...
0: i be so critical Jumping
1: of your, on you yeah. right the moment I get to sentence you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So not only did the prosecution introduce a surprising witness, they also introduced surprising evidence. That Naso had murdered other women, Sharia Laferne Johnson-Patton and Sarah Dillon, bringing the total women murdered by Naso to six yeah i would say
1: that's fucking show-stopping right there
0: yeah because remember he's charged with four yeah and they're like well we have evidence to to show that he murdered six women not four
1: yeah could you imagine like imagine you're hearing a case today and they said that you'd be like what the fuck.
0: 56 year old Sharia washed ashore near the Naval Net Depot in Tiburon, California, in 1981. She had been strangled and placed inside two plastic garbage bags. She was a former resident of the Los Angeles area and worked for the county sheriff's department. Now, a few weeks before her death, she had moved to the Bay Area in search of new work. New work
1: not new work no yeah
2: okay
0: she listed her address on all of the, like the job applications she was filling out mm-hmm. as 839 Leavenworth Street in San Francisco mm. number seven on naso's list was lady from 839 Leavenworth
2: mm-hmm.
0: he not only had this list that said that he, was the building manager of 839 Leavenworth. <sighs> he also had taken photos of her. Because mm-hmm. uh, remember, we can't forget, he was a very professional photographer. And in his collection, his photography collection, mm-hmm. there was an image of a woman in a fur coat. And Patton's daughter, Sharia Patton's daughter, identified that coat as a rabbit fur coat that belonged to her mother. So she was like, absolutely, that photo is of my mother. Mm-hmm. At the time of the murder in 1981, he was actually the prime suspect. Police considered him the prime suspect. But he gave the investigators really evasive answers. They were half-assed. He just wasn't cooperative. And because of this, they didn't have enough to charge him. And so they never charged him. Even though he was a prime suspect. Yeah. Yeah. And something interesting that I had noticed when I was writing out the list of 10, that you had also said when I was reading out the list, you went lady. Yeah. Because on this list, every single one of them is girl, girl Mm -hmm. from this, girl from this, girl from this. But Sharia is the only one that's identified as a lady. And it's confirmed that since he's the building manager, he knew her on a personal level, not just somebody that he would have been picking up because they were.
1: Not just some girl.
0: They're not just some, like, girl that you picked up for, like, some fun with a sex worker. Like, mm-hmm. this, you knew them personally. So, you so you slipped up in your in your writings and called her a lady.
1: So oh, that's so, like, it's so clear, too, how being, yeah. like, a manager, you'd be like, oh, the lady from yeah. floor two. And you
0: know her. You deal with her. You talk to her. You see her.
1: Oh, and that's so gross. So I don't I like that. It was
0: interesting because I had written at that list and sh- she was on the, towards the bottom of the list because she's number seven Mm -hmm. so i'm typing out this list and i'm like girl 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 oh wait that says lady yeah and then i was like oh damn only one that says lady and then when i was reading it out you went lady and i was like yeah right it's It's jarring
1: it is jarring and it's also very upsetting that you brought an answer to it (laughs) <laughs> i'm i don't like it because
0: i it's one of the first things i noticed when i was typing out that list i, I want to like, be the Whoa. farthest
1: from seeing inside this guy's thought process as possible
0: sorry it's a true crime podcast
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's fair i know what i was signing up for
0: so the other victim that prosecutors introduced was a woman named sarah dylan she was a bob dylan groupie and dylan. she uh she don't i knew you we were gonna do it <laughs> She was a Bob Dylan groupie who was on her way to a Bob Dylan concert at the Warfield Theater in San Francisco in May of 1992. She was known to hitchhike to concerts, but it's the 90s. People are hitchhiking all the time. Are they still? To, to this day, I think people do still hitchhike, but not as much.
1: Stop it. If you're out there doing it, stop it. Get some help. It's called an Uber. Actually, get a cab. Oh, get an Uber. <laughs> yeah, get an Uber. I take it back. I was like, I was like, cabs are licensed, and I'm like, cabbies still have a lot of fucking. T- <laughs> never mind.
0: So she was known to hitchhike to concerts that she never made it to. This show, she was reported missing, but sadly, she was reported missing too late. Her mm-hmm. remains were found on the border of Nevada County, California, but they went unidentified for years. Oh. Now, number eight on Naso's list was girl in woodland brackets near Nevada County. Mm-hmm. Her remains were found on the border of Nevada County. Yep. Um, there's other like, actual evidence to support that Naso is the one that murdered Sarah Dillon. Mm-hmm. So after this broke, that she was potentially one of his victims... Investigators learned that Sarah was actually adopted as a baby, and she grew up in Texas. and Her name was Renee Shapiro, but she unfortunate. was unfortunate. But she was such a huge fan of Bob Dylan that she legally changed her name to that of his former wife, Sarah Dylan oh my
1: god (laughs) that's how much she loved bob dylan that's really loving bob dylan right there
0: so the fbi knowing like okay so her name she was born with was renee shapiro Mm -hmm. they tracked down the biological mother and dna um was used and matched the remains that were found near the nevada county border Mm -hmm. so they know okay this is sarah dylan the most damning was, remember Neso's gross, creepy little safe deposit box where he hid his most dark secret hobbies?
1: Yeah, his most lucrative <laughs> photos in his mind, yeah.
0: Her passport was found in there.
1: Oh, God. That's How do you explain fucking... that? You don't. You Literally none of this he was able to explain, because you can't, because he's 100% guilty
2: mm-hmm.
1: and <laughs> defending himself. His strongest <laughs> argument was what a... Would a guilty man defend himself?
0: <laughs> would a guilty man have the passport of a dead woman? Yeah. Yeah, he would.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Found on the side of the road, Your Honor.
0: He would say that.
1: Finders keepers.
0: He would say that. Would say, oh. <laughs> finders keepers? Yes, he would. He would say finders keepers.
1: <laughs> Andrew Sweet.
0: Prosecutors had re-examined Naso's connections to Patton and Dylan and asked judge andrew sweet to allow them to include their findings in the sentencing phase because they wanted to prove how much of a monster nasa was so the jury would give him the death penalty and they <sighs> were disappointed these two cases which proved the reach of nasa sex crimes mm-hmm. they were disappointed that they were excluded from the trial so Ahana, one of the prosecutors, said that there was too many logistical challenges to add additional murder charges to the case without severely delaying the trial and mm-hmm. risking messing up what was already in motion. Yeah. So they were like, we know we've got him for these four.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we're going to stay with that. Get him um, tried on these four. Yeah. But the, we want to at least be able to include the fact that there's solid links to the other two women found on the list, so the judge was like, "Okay, yes, you can include it as evidence, but mm-hmm. he will not be charged with them."
1: That's something's just inherently wrong about that.
0: Well, it could it could have they could have tried to pursue it as charges, but remember, N- NASA is fucking old. He's in his 70s at this yeah. point. He's finally being charged with at least four to be put behind bars and brought to justice. Why risk fucking it all up and delaying it and having all these problems? That's would the almost, way they see it.
1: Yeah, I would almost hope that there'd be like a second trial after the fact where they're laying the charges. That comes up. Nice.
0: So the prosecution rested its case after presenting all of their evidence. And they had called more than 70 witnesses to the stand. Holy fuck. And here we go. I'm going to talk about all 70 right now.
1: All right. (laughs) Welcome to the five-hour podcast.
0: (laughs) I feel like this one's already going to be really long.
1: I like it, though. It's a good one.
0: So, obviously, the defense gets a turn to present their evidence. Mm -hmm. So, Naso, who's obsessed with his own photography and insistent that he's incredibly skilled, he, he used photographs that he's taken over the years to show how much of a good guy he is all the evidence he has, okay? He's like, I'm going to use my own photography as my own character witness, all right? Sound good? Okay, here we go. Yeah, he, uh, he called an old associate to the stand to prove that he is a, he is a legitimate photographer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then who he called to the stand to help prove he's a legitimate photographer was, himself. was, <laughs> was his alter ego, Richard Hoyt.
1: No.
2: Oh, <laughs>
0: it, <was> an,
1: <laughs> Damn it, I thought for a second you were serious.
0: It was another photographer that he knew and his name yeah. is Richard Hoyt, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't.
1: It wasn't altered It wasn't him no. in a
0: dress. No, it was another dude. So they they used to work together at a Berkeley camera shop in the '60s, and Hoyt later became Neso's neighbor in El Cerrito in the San Francisco Bay Area. So he was like, "Can you please take the stand and help prove that I'm a nice guy?" And this
1: guy agreed.
0: Yeah, he did. No. So Neso showed Hoyt stack of his old photographs and asked if he recognized them naso said his intent was to show the jury that he took different types of photos he didn't only take photos of naked or half-dressed women so he was showing photos of like here look here's a f- some photos of people's families here's some kids here's some urban scenes stuff like that okay and hoyt said he recognized a few of them But then, when the prosecution had their chance to cross-examine him, uh, Prosecutor Dori Ohana cross-examined him, and Hoyt said that he and Neso were never close, and he thought so little of Neso's pictures, he didn't even consider him a professional photographer. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing this
1: guy had been clinging to. And he's like, yeah, honestly, he wasn't even good. It is amateur hour.
0: So Neso said, quote, I never heard you complain about my photography. My work speaks for itself. I've won quite a few Blue Ribbon Awards. I must have been
1: doing something, right? Oh, my God. So
0: that statement itself that Naso makes is honestly just such good testimony to his own character. That he's hurt and he's offended by someone disliking his photography and calling him a bad photographer
1: is, on his own murder trial. On his
0: own murder trial. He's not hurt and offended that he's literally on trial for raping and murdering four women and being mm. accused of murdering two other women. Yeah. He's like, no, the line is crossed. You said I'm not a good photographer. <laughs> it's, this guy's fucked. So the defense rested their case after calling five witnesses to the stand, whereas the prosecutors had over 70 And of his five witnesses, really and truly, none of them were beneficial for Neso. Because none of them really knew him or cared for him. And he showed all of them his photos and asked vague questions. And everyone in attendance or reporting on the trials said the same thing. He is embarrassing.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) He wasn't a a very effective counsel for himself, that's for sure.
1: No, I'm, I'm starting to get the gist of that, yeah.
0: So one guy, Barry Cannell... He was a lawyer who sat in the trial audience. He was interviewed and said, quote, I find it fascinating, like watching a house fire. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. I keep putting my hand in front of my mouth. Watching him fumble with his exhibits is like watching paint dry. Oh my God. But like, this is so chaotic. Like, I'm embarrassed for him. Now I'm a- um, angry at him, and mm-hmm. he's fumbling around with his only exhibit, which is photos, and it's just a fucking train wreck, yeah. after all, the evidence is presented, and the witnesses have taken the stand. There's the closing remarks. So, like a badass, prosecutor Rosemary Sloat used Naso's own words against him in her closing arguments. Mm-hmm. She showed the jury pages from his fucking disgusting diaries where he outlines accounts of stalking women for weeks to learn their work schedules. He would finally approach them by offering them a ride, but would take them somewhere isolated to rape them. Mm -hmm. In one specific account, he says he stalked one woman and then, quote, put it to her. In another, he says, quote, Outside the front door, I overpowered her and ravaged her. I couldn't help myself, end quote. Mm Mm-hmm. The sites of the attacks from his diaries included Cleveland, Kansas City, Buffalo, Rochester, Wichita, Berkeley, and even London, England. Okay. Slow argued the diary shows Naso's methods, language, and mentality as he escalated to the crimes for which he was on trial for the, f- the murders of. Four sex workers who were dumped in Marin, Contra Costa, and Yuba Counties. Mm-hmm. So she just hammered home. Yep. I'm using his own diary against him, literally showing you, in his own words, how demented he is. Yep. Naso gets a chance for closing arguments too, though. Yeah. And it was amazing. No, I'm just kidding. His argument. <laughs> and it
1: completely turned it around.
0: <laughs> he used Rosemary Sloat's diary against her.
1: <laughs> she said, I'm going to ruin this man by pretending that his diary is real.
0: It's character assassination, Your Honor. So, so no, his closing arguments consisted of saying that the prosecution's evidence was weak garbage. And he, elab- <laughs> he elaborated, quote, the prosecution has constructed its case against me with conjecture, opinion, and stipulation. It's guesswork.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And then he did show and tell with more of his photographs.
1: Did he really? Yep. Oh.
0: Yeah, he showed pictures of weddings, families, children, and models that weren't naked.
1: Did he, like, bring a boombox with him so he can play, like, dramatic, happy music?
0: No, the, the sound effects was... Him fumbling with the photos, so you could just hear <laughs> awkward shuffling and, and just then licking one his
1: lawyer just thumbed. screaming from the audience, saying it's like watching paint dry. <laughs> yeah,
0: he, he, yeah, Barry Candle. He really wasn't impressed with him. No. So, after both closing remarks, obviously the jury is dismissed by mm-hmm. the judge for deliberations. <laughs> Do you like horror movies? Do you like hanging out with your buddy? Do you like cracking jokes and having a good time?
1: Do you just like fun?
0: Well, consider checking out Spoils of Horror. We are an hour-long
1: podcast that comes out every single week. We're not doing reviews, we're just going to hang out, talk about the movies we love with each other, and hopefully the ones you love too. Covering
0: everything from the popular, the lost, the forgotten, and the bizarre. If you're looking for a good
1: podcast and a good time, you're going to want to check us out.
2: We're on all major podcasting platforms,
0: and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Check it out, we'll see you there. On August 20th, 2013, the Marin County jury returned its verdict, finding him guilty of four counts of first-degree murder with special circumstances, making him eligible for the death penalty. He showed no emotion.
1: Yeah, well you know what fuck this guy the
0: only time he showed emotion is when fucking Richard Hoyt was like you know I never considered him a professional photography
1: what the fuck did you just say I yeah. want several blue ribbons
0: yeah he like was like Mm-mm, crossed the line with me <laughs> call me a rapist call me a murderer but don't say I'm not
1: professional yeah well Hoyt was probably right though <laughs> yeah it's absolute dog shit photos they're not even good have you seen them some of them yeah they're shit they're j- it's G- generic derivative.
0: Yeah, it's just like you would picture some old dude with a camera point and shoot.
1: It's a picture of a bag in the wind.
0: <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> I cannot.
1: It's like pretentious art shit. I you cannot
0: know. with that. Okay. The penalty phase of the trial, Um, again, because he's eligible for the death penalty, so now mm-hmm. they have to go to the, the penalty phase of the trial to see if he will get the death penalty or not. Mm-hmm. So, this part of the trial begins on September 4th to determine if he would receive the death penalty. If the jury was not unanimous on the death penalty, then he would receive life without the possibility of parole.
1: Oh, I didn't know it had to be like unanimous. Of course it does. I didn't know that.
0: Unanimous. 12 yeah. of 12 have to say yes.
1: There's like one holdout, and they're like, come on. Come on. Happens. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. Um, while like remember that while this whole trial is happening, um, the authorities from different jurisdictions were looking and working together is to see if they could charge him with the other women on his list. So, the main thing they wanted to do is at least identify these other women. They had identified, um, number seven and eight as Patton and Dylan, mm-hmm. but they wanted to try and figure out who the other women were and also see if he could be charged with murdering Patton and Aunt Dylan. But the problem, um, one of the problems that I said we'd come back to with like, well, there seems like something wrong there. Why wouldn't you just do it and charge him for those two as well instead of not and risking delaying the trial?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, the women, Yuba County women, all of that, those California Patton and Dylan were murdered in Nevada. So even though they do share this agreement where if someone is on felony probation, you can go in and search the homes and whatever. Yeah. It's a whole different state when it comes to murder charges. So it would be up to Nevada yeah. to decide if they were going to follow through with charging him for these murders.
1: Okay. That so makes sense. So
0: the district attorney of of Nevada County said that he would wait until after Joseph Naso is sentenced in the Marin Superior Court before deciding whether to prosecute him for the death of Sarah Dillon. Uh Naso was already at this point in the death penalty phase of the trial to see if he would get charged. So following his conviction, uh, the DA said, quote, if he gets a death sentence it would be a little bit of a waste on taxpayers to prosecute the case because how many times can you kill a guy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it
0: is a valid question.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: As capital punishment cases are very time consuming, they are very costly, and the taxpayers do pick up the tab. So yeah. if you're already getting the death penalty, yeah do we go through with it or not and it is a debate i'm not going to have yeah um i held
1: every opinion back on that right now
0: yeah so i'll just say it is a very good point taxpayers would have to pay for this Mm -hmm. but i think another thing to consider is that this is still a woman that was murdered and her family and her maybe deserve the justice but whatever
1: there's arguments on both sides of which we are taking neither (laughs) neither here nor there of a stand so there we go
0: i am not educated enough or um entitled in any way or qualified to say what my opinion is but i see both sides for sure
1: well, that's her. Let me tell you what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, let's move on.
0: Prosecutors presented additional evidence of other murders and sex crimes Nasa committed over the years. They have no uh, limit on witnesses of women that he has f- completely messed with assaulted raped whatever they're like oh yeah we're in the next sentencing or penalty phase wherever we are in our trial Mm -hmm. i got a witness for that
1: oh my god how
0: many women he has abused
1: that's so upsetting that like he wasn't stopped after after fucking one to be quite honest yeah you know but
0: story of so many people (laughs) i know it's fucked so carolyn Kaspreek was called to the witness stand by the prosecution and testified that Naso attacked her decades ago while he lived in her neighborhood and was having marital problems. So she said that she was able to escape, thankfully. But Naso, who is still defending himself.
1: He's still doing he's still allowed course, to do that.
0: Of course, this is right. And he's taken it.
1: I don't know if it should be a right after you're convicted.
0: So on cross examination, because he's allowed to do that, to cross examine mm-hmm. one of his own victims, he got yeah he, on cross examination he got Kasprick to admit she couldn't prove he attacked her. Obviously, what's she gonna do? Come out with like
1: she's a witness. She's not. She's not jury and
0: so Neso countered that Kasprick willingly posed for his photos and to prove his point, he presented a a photograph of, to her and was like look at this photograph this is you right I took this of you and you willingly posed for it she looks at the photo and she's like yeah that's, that's not me I don't know who that is <laughs> and
2: <laughs> oh
1: my god
0: and uh, she's like that can't be me because I'm looking at this photo first of all I'm know what I look like and that's not me. Also, that they have a totally different eye color. And they so <sighs> just kept pressing the point with like getting really pissed off. He was getting agitated and and mean and just bullying her yeah. trying to get her to say that she was the woman in the photo mm-hmm. to the point that Judge Andrew Sweet had to send the jury on break. And advised Neso to stop because he was being abusive. He had abusive line of questioning Mm -hmm. and he cannot treat a witness that way. Yep. And he also was like, and what are you even trying to get at here? Like, you've introduced this photo as evidence to prove that it's her, but she's saying it isn't. So there's no relevance of this. And what would it have been anyway? Yep. And he's like, well, the res- the relevance is obvious. If she recognizes the picture of her, then it's impeachment to her credibility. The picture. It's her.
1: This That makes no sense.
0: <laughs> the judge was like, the impeachment value of this picture is really not apparent. So yeah. stop it.
1: Yeah. Move on.
0: And he... he Did but he had to make sure that he said that it is totally relevant and it is obvious, it's just that she's embarrassed and she doesn't want to admit that it's her. And the judge was like, I wish judges were able to slap
1: people sometimes, (laughs) right? Yeah,
0: so the final prosecution witness was Dr. Park Dietz, I think is how you say it, and uh, they're a prominent forensic psychiatrist and they testified about sexual sadistic killers. Yeah. Uh, Dietz has consulted, has been consulted on more than 100 murder investigations and has personally interviewed many serial killers, uh, even Jeffrey Dahmer. Really? So he's, this person is. I don't know if it's uh, he, she, or they, so I'll just say they.
2: Yeah, we're
1: going off names. Yeah. yeah.
0: They, um, yeah, even got to s- sit and talk with Jeffrey Dahmer, which must have been a trip. Yeah. So they testified t- to Neso's behavior, writings, and personal belongings, and said that everything about Neso is consistent with someone who obviously derives sexual gratification from controlling and degrading women, and ultimately killing them. Mm-hmm. So when you have spent your life controlling and degrading women by raping them, yep. you gotta escalate. Just goes up and what's what's left after killing them yeah so the evidence Dietz examined included Neso's old detective magazines which featured headlines such as be my sex slave or be my corpse Ew. that's what i was saying when i was like what, what the
1: fuck is wrong I with got this guy
0: examples later because you're like what kind of sadistic magazines are these? And I was like, I think there is an example later. And that's the title. Be
1: My Corpse.
0: Be My Sex Slave or Be My Corpse. De- that's one of the old detective magazines. Detective, may be lo- used loosely.
1: <laughs> Christ.
0: And uh, so that was some of the evidence that they had to examine was his gross old magazines. And also they had to examine Neso's photograph showing a group of... Lingerie clad mannequins hanging from a ceiling.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So they were like, the prosecutor was like, I got some evidence for you to examine. You've you've talked to some pretty fucked up people, right? Like Dahmer? Okay, check out these because we're at a loss. Yeah. So Nasa obviously he gets a chance to cross-examine this. I was gonna um, say I was gonna ask
1: you, and I was like, I as bad as it sounds. I would pay to see this. <laughs> I would pay to see this. See what? The photo? No, absolutely not. <laughs> to see I, what? To try and see him try and cross examine someone who is an expert in people, yeah. like basically dressing down and breaking down people like him. Exactly. I would love it. So
0: he gets a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. And he suggested that the mannequin photo was an innocuous composition.
2: <laughs> uh huh.
0: He's like, does it look like an arrangement for a family photo? And Dietz was like, I would not call it that. <laughs> and Naisa like, well, then what would you call it? And they were like, creepy.
1: Perversion, <laughs> yeah.
0: So he just handled everything so... So poorly, and he made himself look like a fool. He made yep. the people feel embarrassed for him, which is probably hard to do when you're dealing with a sadistic person like him who's on trial for rape and murder. Mm-hmm. You can still make these people feel embarrassed for you. Yeah. Because it's just like a bumbling old
1: fool. No, my favorite is that he just he tries to cross examine this expert on <laughs> know. serial killers. And then, like, even the expert's <laughs> like, this fucking guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, the jury's just going to be like, I don't even need to. Can we just say? <laughs> Do we have to leave the other room or can yeah. we just say?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, I think that this photo of mannequins in lingerie hanging from the ceiling is pretty normal. She's like, oh, it's nothing ah. out
1: of the ordinary. I wouldn't say that. It's how I store them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're out of the way up there.
1: That would have been a better defense. That's the ridiculous thing. Instead,
0: he tries to call it a family photo.
1: Oh, oh God. So Jesus gross. Christ. When you first said that, I was like, because he's trying to point out how obviously it is, and he has an excuse for it, right? And, you're like, and then I was like, no, he was literally asking, does it look like a family photo? Because he thinks it does. <laughs> it's
0: so. It's a mind fuck.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely absurd.
0: But Imagine being on the stand, like... Do I have to answer that, Your Honor? Like, I don't even know what to do right now.
1: The stenographer, right? The one that does all the typing. Yeah. Must have had a field day because must have had to constantly write in brackets. Just looked over to the judge, puzzled. (laughs) like
0: Typing out his quote. Listen, the mannequins clad in lingerie hanging from the ceiling are quite an innocuous composition. (laughs) She's probably like. (laughs)
1: i we being paid for this.
0: (laughs) This is a circus. So for the closing arguments, the prosecution gets to go first. Mm -hmm. And as the jury and courtroom audience sat in silence, Dori Ahana, one of the prosecutors, let a two-minute timer run down to zero seconds. Mm -hmm. And this was a demonstration of the time Naso's strangulation victims spent struggling for air in terror as the final seconds just ticked away in their lives.
1: Jesus Christ. That must have been so unsettling in the courtroom. They were going for the jugular the whole time. These, mm-hmm. They were not to be fucked with. I love it too because it yeah. was probably
0: a slam dunk for them anyway because he's a bumbling <sighs> fool. But they were like, no, I don't care even if it could be. We are still going all the way.
1: I imagine this is why they got into it. They wanted to, dunk to take someone people like down this. like
0: this. And it's probably so much more satisfying that you're in a case like this where the person on trial is such a dirt bag mm-hmm. and that person also happens to be representing themselves. So it's probably Whoa. even more like vindicating.
1: Yeah. I imagine that towards the end of this, I hope someone in their life was like, I bought you this champagne because this seems like a pinnacle moment. <laughs>
0: well, keep that thought in mind. All right. So uh, after the timer, she let the timer run down. She said, quote, he enjoyed their suffering. He enjoyed their pain, tying them up and dumping their bodies like garbage.
2: Mm-hmm. End
0: quote. So during naso's long winded closing argument, the <sighs> prosecution repeatedly objected that his comments were straying beyond the evidence in the trial. And the judge repeatedly Admonished him and was like, Yo, dude, you have to stay on track. You are really going into left field here and no one can follow you. Stay on track. He kept, Naso kept ignoring him. It's
1: the principle of the thing, Your Honor.
0: (laughs) He ignored him over and over again. Yeah. He was like, no. So instead he was like, you know what? For my closing arguments, I think I'll like to tell some stories. I'm going to tell some stories about how I once helped a distressed hitchhiker, how I can take care of my disabled son, how I am in favor of legalized prostitution. His words, not mine. And how, if given the chance, I would discourage young people from fornication. These are just a few of the things. He was
1: really fucking jumping everywhere. I
0: think his, like, dementia or something real kicked in (laughs) during this trial. (laughs) Because he's old. Oh, my God. And he's just... And he just couldn't
1: keep the plot.
0: No, he's like... Okay, what should I talk about? Uh, Hitchhikers. uh, My disabled son, which is what he's calling him. Legalized prostitution, which is his words. Mm -hmm. And uh, fornication. Yeah, that sounds good. Yep. So, and when he was done, that diatribe... He thanked the jury and said, I wish I had a group picture of all of you to take with me.
1: That's so creepy. He could not have left it on a creepier note.
0: That's how he closed off the whole trial.
1: After everyone just knew that he had all these photos of dead women that he kept as trophies.
0: And he was like, so you like my speech about hitchhikers and fornication and legalized prostitution? Well... Thank you. I wish I had your photo.
1: <laughs> that I'm, I'm That's probably the most creeped out I've ever been on this show. That's so obst- I'm imagining the Mr. Burns ET episode with oh, the big wide eyes no. and just going, I bring you love. But like, really, he just, just strangled a bunch of women.
0: Right. And had pictures and half of his pictures were of dead or incapacitated women. And he wants a picture of the
1: jury. It's
0: not funny. It's, just, it's so fucking scary.
1: But if you can't laugh, it you're going to puke.
0: Gallows humor.
1: Yeah, it's that's so upsetting. Right? Oh. Andrew Sweet was probably <laughs> so close to hurling that that took place in his court. Like She
0: was pissed by the end of it cuz Right, cuz
1: they got a they got the whole statement at the end, right?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have some quotes from it. I have some quotes from oh, it. Good. So, um yeah, so I wish I had a picture of you. So then the jury's Mm-mm-mm. like, that's horrifying. We're leaving now to deliberate. And they deliberated for three hours. Yep. And then they came back and recommended to the judge that he get the death penalty. Yay. Before he was sentenced, the judge must consider an automatic appeal to reduce the sentence from death to life in prison without parole. Mm-hmm. So even though the jury comes back and says, we recommend this, the jury still the judge still has to review everything once more.
1: So it's not a hundred percent up to the jury. It's almost like when it's almost like with the firing squad, they give a few blanks. So no one knows who does it. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Probably the judge is going to take the jury's advice. Yeah. Unless there's some really like bizarre minimal uh i mean mitigating whatever like yeah
1: to me it kind of it's i'm almost kind of surprised for, that that's how it worked because i mean like
0: it's all just
1: you unanimous kind of de- i mean if okay unanimous kind of decisions is actually surprising to me because like what if someone's sitting there going like yeah he's 100 he did this but like i'm just against death penalty then they wouldn't they'd be prejudiced but like they may not say it But anyway, even me, who's not for death penalty, would be like, this guy, no, he's gone. You're done. You're done.
0: He's (laughs) fucking old.
1: Yeah. You wanted to take a photo of me. He's done. (laughs) Right there. It's the end of it.
0: Okay, so sentencing was scheduled for November 8th, 2013. Yeah. Of course... Nasus got complaints. He complained that he needed more time to make his case, to file motions, that he didn't have enough money. The list goes on. He's like, how can I stall? Right. I'm going to stall. The judge was like, listen, I don't give a fuck about anything you just said. If your biggest problem is that you don't have enough money or counsel or whatever, then go and talk to the county lawyers that have been sitting beside you this entire time and help have them help you Mm -hmm. okay november 8th set in stone buck up
2: yeah (laughs) yep
1: made a mockery of my fucking courtroom and now you have something to say
0: yeah exactly yeah so on november 22nd uh the marin county judge andrew sweet finished his consideration of reducing the sentence from Death to life in prison without the possibility of parole.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he chose death. Yeah. He yes. called Neso uh, evil. He called him disturbed. He said, quote, You being in this world, Mr. Neso, has made this world a worse place. Judge Andrew Sweet said the evidence proved that Neso inflicted, quote, Abhorrent and repugnant levels of suffering and cruelty, end quote, on the victims and humiliated them even more by m- meticulously documenting the crimes in his diaries and photographs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Naso said it was a hate crime against him and was adamant that the prosecution <laughs> never proved their case. He literally was screaming about how it was a hate crime.
1: He w- he would yell hate crime. Is he white? Is yeah, he white, he's white dude. Yeah, he's yeah. White. <laughs>
0: it's
1: a hate crime. It's
0: a hate crime against <laughs> me the judge was probably at this point like this cannot be over fast enough
1: yeah he would fucking yell hate crime for zero reason
0: (laughs) (laughs) when when the judge asked naso for any final remarks before the announcement of the sentence yeah he said naso complained like naso ended up complaining that he wouldn't he should not have to pay any restitution he said he already paid the victim re- victim restitution funds when he was a california taxpayer and if anyone gets restitution in this case it should be me i shouldn't have been arrested i shouldn't have been charged i lost everything this is a hate crime
1: i love seeing i love seeing him squirm in these last moments
0: oh yeah he's just grabbing onto yep. anything and he just looks like a fucking asshole mm-hmm. but um Judge Andrew Sweet was like, oh, you don't want to pay restitution, eh? Okay, well, I order you to pay $170,000 for nearly the 1,000 hours of legal services that you had. Because you had Pedro Mm Oliveros here, but you just didn't use him like you should have. But you owe him for his counsel. And also I'm going to make you pay for the investigative costs and the evidence costs. The assistant county counsel, a guy named Jack Govey, he was also trying to get um, reimbursement for the victims. Mm-hmm. But there was a problem because apparently at some point, Neso had managed to unload a bunch of his assets. He was able to liquidate them while that he was awaiting trial. And it is unclear whether they could get the money back for their victims but jack govey the guy that was like we want to do this Mm -hmm. he said that he had tried to get his assets frozen but there wasn't any sort there wasn't the right um legal mechanisms to make that happen
1: oh that fucking sucks so hard i didn't even know you could do that
0: yeah so they were trying they were like well, we know this guy has at least a house. He has some property. He has, What a piece of he, shit. They found all that cash in his house. They found that $30,000 coin collection. So they were like, we know he has stuff that can be liquidated. Mm-hmm. And then we have money to pay for the legal fees and to pay the victim's family's restitution and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he had fucking managed to offload a bunch of it and he
1: he fucking did that to fuck everyone oh of
0: course
1: he's a shit
0: and they were they tried um i don't know how it ended up working out i guess i should have looked into that a bit more but they at the at the point of sentencing they Mm. were continuing their efforts to try and track down this money and seize it and get it to the right people
1: yeah i mean like what the fuck are you gonna do though right And i'm sure that's not something like broke news they were probably yeah, like, like what
0: else can they do they already said like we tried there's not any sort of legal yeah. mechanism for us to have this like for sure yeah done
1: stories aren't gonna follow up on that either like there's not gonna be like news reports on it either but that's that's insane mm-hmm. if i found out like oh the house i just purchased was from this guy i'd be like i'm giving it back you fucking liquidate it you the, like the, the court victim. yeah the victims can have victims. it is what i mean yeah Because I'd just be like, no, that's fucking, (laughs) that's a curse. You want to get cursed? That's how you do it. You fucking keep the house. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So I have some uh, quotes here. Um, I have one from Carmen Colon's daughter, Mm -hmm. Rachel Smith. She said, we lost the ability to have love from a mother. I don't want. Naso to die. I want him to sit there alone. I want him to feel what it's like to lose everything. Mm -hmm. Shane Ashby is the son of Roxine Ragash, said Naso, quote, robbed me of a childhood and a mother. And then he spoke directly to Naso saying, I hope you live to be 110 years old. (laughs)
2: Just sits there and
0: rots. And at the age of 79 is when he was sentenced to death in California mm-hmm. he's the oldest person ever to be sentenced to death mm-hmm. and uh Larry Ragosh which is one of the victims Roxine's brother he said it's a joke he's never going to be executed he's gonna live out the rest of his life safe and comfortable in his own cell on death row that's why I want him to go to mainline prison he needs to suffer like them not just my sister all of them
2: mm-hmm Yep.
0: And it is like something important to mention because given his age, 79 years old at this time, Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: this California's track record for carrying out executions, he likely will die behind bars.
2: Yeah.
0: This case, Naso's case pointed toward a major flaw in the state's death penalty that sentenced convicts can engage in a lengthy series of appeals that take years and cost taxpayer millions of dollars. Um, mm-hmm. that was one of the reasons that 68% of voters in Marin County, the home of the state's death row and death chamber voted to abolish capital punishment and replace it with a sentence of life without parole.
1: Yeah. Cause it was cheaper. Yep. Yeah.
0: And then there's the ongoing moratorium on executions in California and hundreds mm-hmm. of convicted murderers awaiting capital punishment. And there's virtually no chance the state will ever put Nasa to death because there's a huge line of lists huge line of people even before him. Yeah. So in California the death penalty appeals process take um so long that men half naso's age on death row are more likely to die of natural causes or suicide than be executed by the state.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And while they wait on San Quentin State Prison's death row, they lead a pretty comfortable existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have single cells. They have access to the best attorneys that fight for their rights. And they live pretty damn good life. And well, she
1: was in general pop.
0: That's exactly what Roxine's brother said.
1: Mm-hmm. I want
0: him to just go to mainline prison where he <laughs> has to duke it yeah, out. Where
1: he, yeah, exactly. And from what I hear, it's getting rougher by the minute. So. Love to hear him go over there. Same. Yeah.
0: All right. Now, I know this episode is long. And uh, remember when I mentioned a, a sinister similarity among the original four victims, which at this point was probably like two hours ago. <laughs>
1: Almost, yeah. But Did, three minutes off.
0: Oh fuck. <laughs> Did you figure out the seemingly sinister similarity between those four women yet?
1: I didn't, not yet.
0: Their first and last name began began with the same letter. Roxine Ragash, Carmen Cologne, Pamela Parsons, and Tanya Tafoya.
1: Oh my god. hmm
0: So this is interesting because it piqued the interest of investigators in Rochester, New York. So between 1971 and 1973, three girls between 10 and 12 years old were sexually assaulted and murdered by either manual or ligature strangulation. All three girls had a first and last name that started with the same letter.
1: Are you fucking serious?
0: After they were murdered... The killer dumped their bodies in a town near Rochester with a name beginning with the same letter as the victim's name. So we have the first victim is Michelle Menza in Macedon. We have Wanda Walkowitz in Webster, and Carmen Cologne in Churchville. Carmen Cologne is also the same name as Neso's second identified victim. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say okay.
0: So this is a different Carmen Cologne because this was a child. Oh. but it's still the same fucking name yeah <laughs> so th- it's so creepy so mm-hmm. when his arrest was made public um he became a person of interest in these murders which are known as the alphabet murders
2: mm-hmm.
0: because four of his victims bore double initials and naso had lived in rochester for years he was actually born in rochester So the cold case detectives in New York opened the old files to see if he could, if he would fit any of the evidence. Mm -hmm. Sadly and seemingly like impossibly, he was ruled out because DNA from his Californian victims didn't match any of the DNA that was found on these girls from Rochester. Really? But what are the chances? How yeah. crazy is that? So that's why I had mentioned in the very beginning, some people did refer to him as the double initial killer mm-hmm. because of Rox- Roxanne Ragosh, Carmen Cologne, Pamela Parsons, and Tanya Tafoya. Yeah. Uh, and the alphabet murders um, these young girls, Michelle Menza, Wanda Walkowitz, and Carmen Colon.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And just how well it fits, but then you get the DNA that rules them out. So it's just...
1: Oh, and so it's, crazy. it even had that added kind of um, factor of like his age where you're like, okay, mm-hmm. well. In the 70s. Know, yeah. He had a very long time to continue his pattern. hmm Yeah.
0: And that he was in Rochester, like often, because he would go back yeah, to his family. Yeah, and he was family, like right there. Yeah. And he lived there. And so, yeah, that was just a really wild um, coincidence, amazingly, how some things can just be a coincidence.
1: Yeah, they could just. Yeah, line up awkwardly.
0: Even if someone has the exact same name, which is really, really creepy, Carmen that Cologne. Is,
1: that is actually very upsetting. Yeah. Oh my god.
0: One day I I might cover the alphabet murders. We'll see. Okay. So, um, well, in closing, um, the authorities we're still at the time of the trial investigating the other women on the list to see if they could identify them. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as I know, and based on my research, the remaining four women on the list have not been identified. Um, Roxine Ragosh's brother said that he would like to see Neso quote, give up the locations of the other victims out there. There's a lot of families that haven't gotten the closure that I've gotten because, Roxine was one of the people yeah. he was convicted of murdering.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And her brother was like, I would just like to see him give up the locations because I'm lucky enough to have closure. But there's families out there that don't have that and they deserve it.
1: Yeah, I also hope this motherfucker rots in prison Totally, he like a in prison 10. Too.
0: I hope that if they keep studying all this gross diaries and stuff, maybe they'll be able to figure out who they are. Or yeah. if they just keep doing DNA testing, all of that. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to recap the list. There's the girl from Heldsburg, Mendocino County. Mm -hmm. There's the girl from Port Costa, which was identified as Carmen Colon. Mm -hmm. There's the girl from Laganitas, which was identified as Roxine Ragash. There's the girl from Mount Tam, who remains unidentified. Girl from Miami, near Down Peninsula. Peninsula? Peninsula, yeah. She remains unidentified. Yep girl from Berkeley unidentified lady from 839 Leavenworth is identified as Sharia Patton girl Mm -hmm. in Woodland near Nevada County is identified as Sarah Dillon girl from Linda Yuba County identified as Pamela Parsons and the girl from MR MRSV cemetery is identified as Tracy Tafoya. Mm -hmm. So um, closing in my, Finishing off my closing remarks here as the prosecutor in case, <laughs> I wanted to leave it on a positive note, which you had um, innocently touched on. Yeah. How you said you f- you think that someone should have handed these prosecutors a really nice bottle of champagne, like, eh, great job, great job. Yeah. Well, Deputy District Attorneys Rosemary Sloat and Doria Hanna earned a statewide award for their work on convicting Joseph Naso. Really? They were named Outstanding Prosecutors of the Year by the California District Attorneys (laughs) Association, and they accepted the award on behalf of their entire office, saying that it was a team effort.
1: I love that the association (laughs) of these lawyers were just like,
2: we saw you dunk on
1: this fucker and it's what we all would have wanted to do, Mm -hmm. but you got to do it. So you get this award.
0: You get the California District Attorneys Association Award. Hell yeah. Prosecutors of the Year. (laughs) <laughs> and they did the damn thing they they were awesome
1: they dunked on that fucker
0: so that is the sadly brief stories of the victims but mm-hmm. i did talk about everything i could find mm-hmm. um it's also the case of one of the most prolific offenders of women in united states history the grubby crazy crabby joe naso yep who was active let's not forget for 40 years, over 40 years at least. And committed violent crimes against women all over America. And honestly, God knows where else. Because remember, he was in the Air
1: Force. He did have something to say about the UK for some reason. Mm -hmm. So
0: he, if he was in the Air Force, he was probably all over the place. And based on those journals that in the prosecutor's closing remarks, let us know that he even had assaulted people in London, England. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: we don't know. Um, where else he could have traveled when he was in the Air Force. We don't know if he regularly vacationed or traveled anywhere. We don't know um, how many victims there could have been in that regard. Mm -hmm. We do know that he went back to New York because he used to live there. Uh, This case, um, he lived in Nevada. He lived in California. Mm -hmm. So the true number of women he attacked and assaulted will most likely, and honestly speaking, like, won't ever be known. Yeah. There's no way we'll ever know how many women he truly assaulted and potentially murdered.
1: Especially if you're, especially with that Air Force point, mm-hmm. if he's just stationed in certain sections and they they kind of go on leave as well, he would be a stranger to anyone who he assaulted. Exactly. And that, the and funny thing is, too, is, like, that, it really does go to show, there's... um. That's a that's a growing problem in a lot of bases for, I know the U.S. Oh yeah, stationed in different countries and I, I know Japan has constantly threatened to pull American bases out of the country Ugh. because of the exact situation. Ugh.
0: Uh, yeah. It's a, such a fucking yeah. problem to have that you just shouldn't. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um. This case also. Um, was important to talk about, especially all the way through the trial, because uh, we do touch on some pretty important things, like how the victims, especially if we're going back to like seventies, eighties, if a victim is a sex worker, how mm-hmm. they're instantly stigmatized and don't
1: Yeah, forget. their immediate thing was, Oh, I bet their John did yeah, it. Yeah, I bet
0: their John did it. I bet the local pimp did it. Oh, it didn't play out pan out the way we wanted it to. Well then that's that and they just let it go cold. Yep. Um also how Victims in general, they get uh, underrepresented because, um, for examples of like, oh, we don't actually want to talk about the victims and who they are and who their families are and what they did for a living just because, like, we don't really want to um, compromise anything.
2: Mm -hmm. And you're
0: like, well, even afterwards, we could get some information about them. That'd be nice. Yeah. They're the reasons that these disgusting people even come to light anyway. Yep. Uh, We also touch on the death penalty and where people stand with it. So, I mean, this case just encompasses a lot of really important topics that whether like it's not our place to say what should be done or shouldn't be done or mm-hmm. how things should pan out or whatever, but it is important to at least mention them because mm-hmm. then you listening right now at home can just maybe sit on it a bit, sit on it, really think about it, form your own opinions. Think, think about um how you truly feel about it and not just what other people tell you
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so it's here's good. a real world case and yeah i think i once was like oh, this is where i am but i did not <laughs> I go- didn't linger on it yeah. and it's, honestly my opinion should mean dick to you on that subject
0: but, that's, but so but that's there the thing go. is that to some people they. Maybe it doesn't mean anything to them, but they've heard it and they subconsciously remember it. Like, yeah. oh, well, someone said it sucks, so I bet it sucks. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's really important that these I bet topics. The death
1: penalty sucks.
2: <laughs> Shut up.
0: <laughs> so these are important topics that you should do critical thinking of on your own, form your own opinions. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode. Make sure you rate the show and you subscribe wherever you're listening. Follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, like us on Facebook, visit our link tree because there you can buy us a coffee. You can also message us case suggestions, which we love to hear because remember in the last episode of the month, we use those case suggestions and we generate the next month's schedule. So Mm -hmm. it would be exciting for you to hear your case be chosen. Be sure to listen to Spoils of Horror. They are one of our favorites. Mm
2: -hmm. They are the best.
0: Tune in next week when we change things up and we talk about the Halifax Explosion. Well. We'll catch you on the dark side. Bye. Music for. Epic cinematic Hollywood tension suspense.
1: Bwah. Inception sound. You know what I'm saying?
0: You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
1: Get your attention. <laughs> Spoils
0: oh. of horror. Clean version.
1: Uh, you, uh,
0: <laughs> what? Hey, <laughs> you don't
1: know, like my sound effects—I've been changing it every time. <laughs>
0: mhm. Yeah. I like it. Big fan. Big
2: fan. Big fan. Big fan. One fish.